Do you believe in your business and want it to grow quicker? Make more sales, scale the business? <laughs> yeah, me too. I just love helping women in business and I want your business to be the best it can possibly be. You can expect truthful accounts of the highs and lows of business, struggles, traumas, epic highlights and priceless moments. I'll be sharing how this busy mum scaled a business from a local class in a village hall to 60 franchisees internationally. So let's get started. I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. Before we start, I have to tell you about Hayley Merrick, Hormone Health Coach. She is the womb-wise woman, weaving two decades of clinical and natural health expertise to transform you from hormonal mess to hormone happiness, empowering you to release overwhelm, manage stress, and balance your hormones in a way that nourishes your mind, body, and soul. Providing 12-week coaching packages and online membership, visit loveyourcycles.co.uk for more details and to book your free trial session. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. I am joined by Helen Haroldson today, children's author. Hello, Helen, and welcome. Good morning. Nice to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. So tell everybody a little bit about you. Um, well, I've I've only been a children's author since 2019. I've just really started out. Um, my background really is more in teaching. And so I've been a primary school teacher um, and I'm currently a secondary school teacher. Um, for the last 10 years, I've worked in my school and I've also been a school librarian. Um, I'm currently on sabbatical from that role at the moment because of my writing but you know during my time doing that job um, I lead a writers and illustrators club in my school um, and I've led two groups um, separate groups of children to um, plan write edit and publish full novels so we've you know we've done a couple of team writing projects where we've got these groups of children you know who like writing but tend to see writing as something that you have to do on your own in your bedroom and it's a bit isolating um, you know, I like to get kids together and share the creative process with them. I find it's a lot easier when we work together in that way because they can all share each other's skills. Some might be good at coming up with ideas. Some are good at the actual writing part. Some are good at editing. They've all got different skills. And um, so they've been really good to get those two projects completed um, over a couple of years. Um, and I also took teams to the Kids Lit Quiz as part of that when I was um, running the library. The Kids Lit Quiz is a, a worldwide quiz. Um, it's dubbed the sport of reading. And it's for, uh, it's, it offers a competition, a literature competition for children who love books. And it's, it's really the only one that's been like that because most um, teams in schools are for sports or things along, yeah. that, along those lines. So it's been nice for those children who like to read to have a competition that they can go to. So in 2017, we won the Northwest Regional Heat Wow. And we went to London for the national final and we came third, you know, out of all of the winners from all around the UK and Northern Ireland, we came third. So that was like a career highlight. I couldn't believe that. Um, but then in 2019, we won the regional heat again and went back to London again for um, the national final with this team. And we won. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Out, out of all of those teams, you know, and, and so that meant if you win, you get to represent the UK at the world final 
and the world final in 2020 would have been in New Zealand. No! So we were all set. We had booked our flights. We were all ready to go and then it was cancelled. Oh, good. Are they going to reschedule it or is it just... No, it's it's actually finished. The UK aren't a part of it anymore because, you know, the quiz master is, uh, you know, sort of semi-retiring and he basically travels around the world his whole life um, doing the heaps and things. So the UK are now going to be doing their own quiz, but it won't be part of this worldwide anymore so that was that was the kind of you know major thing and the, the team was so excited you know the kids were kind of you know 12 13 years old and they were going to go to another country the other side of the world to represent their country in a, in a you know proper competition and then it didn't happen so oh, what a shame that's one of one of the things that's happened due to covid <laughs> so when was the point where you decided to start writing your own books so I first started writing my own books when I was a primary school teacher and I first wrote my first book called Little Pearl in 2004 or five. And I was a primary school teacher at that time. So, you know, I got some copies of it printed and then showed everybody in my school like, yeah, look what I've done. All very exciting. But then, you know, being a full time teacher, there was there was no time for you know developing the writing, really. Um, and it was on a floppy disk. And it went in a drawer and it got forgotten about. And then, yeah, in about 2018, when I was in my current school, various things just started to happen. There was a boy in one of my classes who said to me, Miss, have you never thought about writing a book? You should write a book. Obviously, I had and I had got one. So I went home and found uh, one of my old copies and had a little look at it. But actually, you know, it didn't make me cringe. I thought, oh, it's good. <laughs> and I hadn't looked at it for all those years. And then um, just a few other things. I, I went into a West Cumberland farmer shop to buy some horse feed. And the person who served me said, oh, you're that woman, aren't you? You wrote that little pearl book. And I said, what? How do you know that? And, and you know, it was just all these little things that just started to kind of creep up and happen that seemed like, you know, it was pointing the way. So I, I went and found my floppy disk <laughs> in the drawer because I thought, oh, I've got this book, but I'm going to have to sit and type up the whole manuscript again because it's on a floppy disk. But then I discovered you can get floppy disk readers. And so I got one, I got my manuscript off and I had a look at it. I added a little bit to it. And then I started the whole process of trying to find um, an agent because without an agent, you can't get a publisher. But if you've never been published, it's difficult to get an agent. (laughs) So that was all um, interesting. And I eventually found um, a publisher by chance in a way. There was somebody who was setting up in my local area as a publisher and, and he wanted to, to sponsor my Writers and Illustrators Club at school. Oh, so wow. we came in to discuss the Writers and Illustrators Club and was, you know, I was talking about publishing these books that the children were writing. Um, and he started to talk to me about the process of publishing. And he seemed quite surprised that I knew a lot about it. And obviously then I explained about my book so he, he offered to have a look at it and I thought he was just going to have a look and maybe give me some advice or some pointers but he took it away and had a look at it and then came back and said that he would love to publish it oh wow so he did so that's how I started so I got my first book published in March 2019 and the second one was published in October 2019 and the third one was due to come out in May 2020 and I was going to launch it as Badminton Horse Trials which is kind of a, a major 
international event in the equestrian circuit. And then there was COVID. Oh, no. <laughs> so it didn't, get launched. it didn't get launched. And as time went on, COVID actually forced the publisher to close. So oh. I got started and got finished very quickly. <laughs> oh. So, so what now? So when that happened, it was kind of a case of I either carry on on my own because you know there is a whole world of independent publishing out there now that's massive and really developing um or i tried to find another publisher which i'd have to go back through the agent route and because my book had been published i didn't know if anyone would want it when it had already been published and it, i thought it would it would probably lead to a big hold up because it could take a very long time or yeah. you know you don't you might not get one at all um, and, you know, my books were gaining a readership. I was running competitions to find ponies to appear on the front cover of my books. So, you know, those were gaining kind of fans and people who were interested because of, of that. Um, so I just thought, well, right, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to try and do this on my own. Amazing. Um, but, but very scary because I, I see myself as a creative person who wants to write stories. I'm not really, I'm not very good at maths um, and all of that kind of stuff that goes on in the background with businesses, you know, the logistics, the tax, the, the things I don't even know I don't know yet. <laughs> so that was that was really scary. Um, and it's been it's been kind of, you know hard work learning the process of independent publishing and how how to do it on your own. And um, so that's where I am at the moment. It's going really well. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because you know you're an author but for me all authors still need to be entrepreneurs and often with um you know if you are more of a creative i find that those people struggle to see themselves as an entrepreneur and and say oh i'm not very good at business i'm not very good at this whereas i think when anybody starts out they're not they they think that they're not good at at business you've got to learn on the job haven't you you've got to step into that entrepreneurial role and I think the people who do the best are the people who do adopt that entrepreneurship that I think you need to succeed um but talk to me about about the struggles that you've had with that and and the business and what you've learned so far well I think what you know I've been a teacher for 20 years although there is a certain freedom with teaching you, you are very structured and, and you know what you're doing and you do your job and you get paid your salary at the end of the month and that's how it goes you know it's very safe you know you know what's happening and branching out into this has it's so different to that I, I have no idea whether I'm going to sell any books I have no idea when I'm writing a book if it's any good if anyone's going to like it um so I've I've, I've reached out to people and asked for teams of secret readers who um, I, I send my manuscript to before it's published and say, no, shh, don't tell anyone about this. You're just reading it in secret to let me know what you think. Um, so that, that's been really good at getting uh, you know, involved with my readers and, and hearing from them. Um, but yeah, I think the hardest part is, is how solitary writing is. I think that's why I did my Writers and Illustrators Club, because when I am writing my books on my own, I am just having to motivate myself to sit and write a book all the way through not knowing whether it's going to sell or whether it's going to be any good just trying to get to the end and I really don't like writing first drafts of stories <laughs> I think I've, I've heard two things by other authors that have helped me so Neil Gaiman who's a very well-known author said that writing a first draft 
is like driving a car through the fog. You know where you're trying to get to, but you can't see the way. <laughs> so that helped me. And then James Patterson said, um, don't write sentences, write the story. So I think they're kind of both meaning, don't worry too much about perfection. Just get it done so that you've got a story that exists and then you can polish it and perfect it. But it's just such a hard slog when it is in that state, you know it's not very good. You don't feel inspired to go and pick it up and write it because you know that it's not in shape. It's not how it's going to be. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> so all yeah. of your stories are about horses, right? So I have one series of books called Amber's Ponytails. Um, and there's four out at the moment. The fifth one should be out in September and there's one more to go. And they are the series that I started with. So they're, they're about me, basically. <laughs> and the experiences that I had with my ponies so when I started off riding in kind of the early 1990s as a child um, and doing various sports through the UK Pony Club with my ponies. That's what these stories are based on. So there is, you know, there's a lot of creative license in there, but there's a lot of things that, that are based on facts as well, things from my life. And then now I'm writing another series called Daily Dog Tales, and they're based on my dogs. <laughs> so they're, they're currently with me. So they're you know, here with me at the moment, providing daily inspiration for stories. <laughs> and do you still have horses? Do you still ride? I still have horses. I've got three horses. Um, I still ride. I compete in competitions and things. So yeah, I'm still in that world. Um, yeah, it's good to be kind of still a part of the thing that I'm writing about. And who who are these books for? Um, so the pony books are they're when you write a book, you've got to market it at being at a particular age. So the books are marketed at children aged approximately eight to twelve, which classes them as middle grade books. But I've had people from kind of six to up, anyone, anybody who likes ponies has has been enjoying my books and I've been surprised at that I've had quite a lot of um you know emails and contact from adult readers who've said how much they've enjoyed them because of the nostalgia of looking back you know at their kind of pony days um, um I had one woman who's you know in her late 40s she got in touch to say thank you actually because she said I'm dyslexic um, and books frighten me. I don't really read books because, you know, it, it, may, it affects my confidence. But she said, I saw your books about ponies, so I thought I'd read them. And she said, reading them has actually given me more confidence with reading. But also it's filtered through into, you know, daily life. So she was having a bit of a struggle with one of her ponies. And she said that through reading my book, it had give, given her more confidence to persevere and to keep going. So that was kind of <laughs> a bit of a surprise. Oh, yeah, they're kind of open open to anybody, really, who wants to read about ponies. <laughs> and do you think that this is something that should be in the curriculum more, you know, encouraging children to... Because I can imagine, like, if I think about myself, like, sitting down and writing a book, which I would love to do, it's, like, quite a daunting task. And I don't know if I would be able to do it. I don't, wouldn't have the foggiest about where to start. Do you think that this is something that should be built into the curriculum a bit more? I would love to see it in the curriculum a bit more. I mean, you know, I'm passionate about teaching children to read and to write for fun and for pleasure and, and not just for exams. Yeah. You know, a lot of education is now just sort of heading down the preparation for assessments and exams route. And it's, 
I don't know, I just find that really stifles the joy and the creativity if you're just learning about verbs so that you can name them in an exam. You know, yeah. it doesn't fill exactly. me with joy. <laughs> exactly. And you could love ponies like you obviously did and never get an opportunity to write a story about a pony because actually for your SATs you need to yeah. write a story about this and for yeah. your GCSEs you need to do this. And I find that. Um, yeah. with children often if you do give them free choice to write something and you say that they can write about what they like they don't know how to write it from free choice often they're so used to being told what to write or being given a task or given a question free free choice is a bit like you know they don't really know what to do with it um but when we did those writing projects that i did the first one i did was a, a historical fantasy novel and it set off from a reader's digest competition to write a story in a hundred words so everybody in the club wrote a story for the Reader's Digest competition and we entered it and and mine ended up being the prologue. We looked at my prologue, my 100 word story and we thought, oh, this would make a good prologue for a story. Let's do it. But it was historical fiction. So each group of children had a chapter in a different point of history that they were going to base their chapter on. So they had to go away and research. They would never have written that of their own accord, but because there was the sort of confidence that we were all in it together and we were all helping each other yeah. then they did it the second story i did came on the idea that where i live and in cumbria we've got lots of children in school who are from the farming community and they would often come in looking for fiction based on farming and there aren't really any so i said to my club right everyone we're going to write a story about farming none of them were farmers none of them had anything to do with farms they didn't know anything about farms so we booked ourselves um, a farm visit and we went to a dairy farm and looked around and interviewed the farmer and found out some things and again none of them would have done that on their own because it wasn't their topic so you know it just helped them to kind of branch out I think and see what you can do with some research or with other people to help um, and I don't think there is really a place for that in the curriculum at the moment which is a bit sad. And what would you, what would your advice be to somebody who you know maybe it's a parent of somebody who loves writing or or the writer themselves like what what would your advice be to those people like how do you how do you get started with writing? Well, I've just talked there about people who were right. We wrote out of our comfort zone. We wrote about things we didn't um, know, but I think we could do that because we were all together. If you're just on your own writing something, I think you really need to start off by writing about something that you love, you know, like I have with my animals, because that's that's my world. That's what I do, because when you're on your own, it is difficult um, to have the motivation and the willpower to go and sit and do it. So at least if you're really interested in something that gives you, you know, the scope to want to do it. A little boy in an author visit recently asked me if I did I know anything about space. And I said, uh, no, I don't know. I don't know anything about space. Sorry to disappoint you. It's like, oh, I really love space. I want to be an astronaut. I said, well, that's good. I said, you could be writing some stories about space. And then his teacher said to me at the end, he's, he's all sorted now. He's going to be an astronaut. And when he's finished being an astronaut, then he's going to be an author and write about his journeys in space. So he was all fired up and excited, you know, that he had this idea that he could be writing stories about space. So yeah, I think whatever it is that, that really gets you going and, and that fires your imagination and your spark is, is where you should start, really. And do you sit down, like if you're starting a new book, do you sit down and just write and write and write and write? Or do you like write for an hour and then go and do something else and then come back to it? What's your process? 
So I plan. I didn't use the plan. I used to just have a, a rough idea and set off. But then I would always get stuck because I would run into somewhere and I didn't know where I was going. So now I have a, a rough plan before I go. And I tend to write a chapter and I get to the end of my chapter. so that Because I, I like a chapter to be a story on its own. So within that chapter, I like to end it in a way that makes you want to go on to the next one straight away. But then I'll stop and I'll usually either go for a dog walk or a horse ride and think about that next chapter, like what's going to happen. And also, how is it going to start? Because you don't want every chapter to start with. And the next day, or, you know, something really, you know, a boring sort of start to your chapter. You want to think about how it's going to start so that it immediately leads on in a with a hook to, you know, keep a reader reading. So, yeah, I tend, I tend to do kind of fits and starts. Like I write about 1,500 words and then stop and breathe and think <laughs> and go away and, have, and come back later. That's kind of my process. Amazing. It's so inspiring. I'm <laughs> loving it. Um, so as you know, I end my podcasts with three questions. So I'm going to ask those to you. Um, the first one is who inspires you? And um, so, you know, I think being an author and like I said, sitting in your little cave on your own, all lonely writing, it's nice to think about other authors. So authors have really inspired me. Um, I've met quite a few through having authors in to my school for author visits either live or, you know, virtually through Skype or Zoom. Um, and I'm always impressed by authors and how, um, how much they love their subject, how infused they are when they talk about their books and their topics and what they've written about. Um, but I think also authors are very inspiring because you don't, you don't meet an author who hasn't faced rejection and, and been turned away or been told that their book is not right or anything. And none of them have got to be where they are by thinking, oh, well, never mind, that's that then. <laughs> they've all persevered, they've been resilient, you know, they've kept going. Um, so I find that inspiring. Um, and I met the author Marcus Zuzak on a book tour that he did a few years ago. I absolutely love his book, The Book Thief. It's one of my favourites. So when I had the chance to go and see him, I, I, I went. Um, and he was just really kind of quiet and, you know, relaxed. And he just stood at the front. And he just told us a little story about his childhood. And we were all hooked. We were all like, you know, hanging on his every word. It was just a story about his childhood. And at the end, he then explained how the way he had told that story is the way he writes his stories. And he told us some of the techniques that he was using. And it was just like a masterclass. Uh, I really wish I could, I could have recorded that. so I could watch it back. Because I was just hearing the moment at the time. Um, and then I saw Margaret Atwood do her live launch for the Testaments. And I was very impressed with her. Impressed but intimidated, I think. I thought she was extremely intelligent. Um, but yeah, just people to look up to, I think, for knowing that they're doing what you're doing um, and doing it so well. It, it just came to me, actually. I've, I've met two authors in my life and I was hugely inspired by them. Um, I met Jacqueline Wilson. I actually got the opportunity to... Um, give her the Smarties Book Award. They oh, wow. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, and she was like my favorite author ever at the time. And I remember when I was giving her this award, I was just sort of like, you can't see my face because this is a podcast, but you know, 
speechless let's say um because I couldn't believe it and then a couple of years ago I went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with my little boy and we went to watch the Julia Donaldson show and Julia Donaldson was actually in the show um playing the witch in Room on the Broom she was absolutely brilliant but afterwards I went outside um because I think like my little boy was crying and they were like oh do you want to get in the line to meet Julia Donaldson and I was like yeah, sure. And so I got a book signed by Julia Donaldson. And and I remember, it's just crazy, isn't it? When you meet, um, you know, authors, I read her books every night to my little boy and, and there she was. Um, yeah, totally inspirational. Yeah, um, any- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, tell me, oh, well, perfect. What is your favourite book? Tell me about a book <laughs> that changed the way you think, changed the way oh. you feel. Well, you know, being an English teacher and a school librarian, that's a bit of a dangerous question. <laughs> I could be here all day. I can literally talk about books all day. I can, st- I can start from the very beginning and talk about the Velveteen Rabbit that I loved um, when I was little. I've got The 101 Dalmatians by Dodie Smith. That's the book I read the most times in my life. I used to read that back to back when I was a child. Um, and here I am now writing my own books about Dalmatians. That obviously uh, had an effect on me. And then there was Black Beauty um, that made me cry. The first book that ever, you know, broke my heart. I couldn't believe that book. It was just so sad. Um, And now I'm writing pony books. So a lot of the books that I've read, I think, have had an influence. And there's there's many, many, many books I could talk about. And The Book Thief was one that I mentioned earlier. I think that's the most beautifully written book um, I've ever read. But one that I think I would say that I would recommend, because it's not very well known, is Raven's Wand which is the first book in the Dark Ravens Chronicles by Steve Hutton. Um, it's an epic fantasy story. It's just so well written. Um, and I know Steve Hutton through him being an illustrator. He's come into my school a few times to do some work on um, illustrating children and just to show how, how versatile he is. He came in one day and the kids said, can you draw anything? And he said, well, try, try me then. What do you want me to draw? And they asked him to draw a zombie chicken shopping for lobsters in the supermarket. So he did, he drew it. <laughs> just, just right there and then, you know, didn't need to go away and look at anything. He just drew a zombie chicken shopping for lobsters in the supermarket. So I was just, I just thought, oh, it's, you know, he's such a brilliant, uh, brilliant illustrator. When I, I heard that he'd read a book as well, I, I was really curious. But it's, and that's absolutely fantastic as well. And he's such a talented person. It's a great big, thick 200,000 words um, novel. But I would love it to be made into a movie because it would be kind of Lord of the Rings-esque. It's so visual. It's brilliant. So if anybody likes fantasy or has never really checked out fantasy, um, that would be a really good recommendation from me. Amazing. And finally, um, what is one piece of advice you'd give to a fellow entrepreneur? Um, I I don't really feel qualified to give advice to entrepreneurs because I'm still struggling to see myself as one um but i'm i'm i think i'm at the beginning of a route so i can advise people on that i think that um if you're starting from scratch like i am and you've never thought of yourself as business as a business person and you don't know anybody in business i think it's really hard to do it on your own um and i've kind of recently discovered that business people aren't what i expected i had a very stereotypical view of the apprentice and business suits and briefcases and very big personalities and all of that and I've kind of discovered in recent times that 
there's a lot of normal business people out there who are just the same as me and are maybe more introverted and suffering from the same imposter syndrome. Um, but they're all very um, giving um, and willing to share um, and will point you in the right direction and help you out with things that you might not know that you're looking for. Um, and, that, you know, I've discovered through you that there is a community of people who are right at the beginning, who are a little way on, who are much further on, and that everybody's got different skills and advice. So I would sort of recommend people to try and find an online community or course. Um, and, you know, to you've got to at some point, there's only so much you can do for free. I think trying to do everything for free is what you need to do in, in one respect, but it takes you a very long time. If you, if you can invest in yourself and start to decide which things you need to outsource or you need to pay to learn, and I think that speeds things up. But you need to do your research and find out that these things that you're paying for are the right things. Um, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, you just talking then it made me think it's like your your illustrators club, right? You brought those people together because they were good at writing or they were good at illustrating. They all got to share their different skill set. And, and it's exactly the same with the Entrepreneurs Growth Club. And, you know, we'll get together and do networking events and have our weekly coffee mornings. And, you know, if, if I wanted to write a book, you would be the first person that I would come to. You are the expert in that. And, and everybody is an expert in something and everyone's had different struggles and different challenges. So getting together and putting all of our heads together means that we can create some amazing results. Yeah, and I found that when I sort of started, I thought everyone would be looking down at me and thinking, oh, you know, what are you doing? But nobody's like that at all. Everybody's so willing to share and support. And I was quite surprised at that. I had this idea that everyone would be, you know, guarding their business and not wanting to let their secrets out there. But that's not the case at all. So, you know, I'm two years into this and I've only just discovered that there are people around that I could be asking and getting help from. So I feel a bit better now that I've got a team <laughs> of people that I can, you know, go get support. I absolutely love that. Tell everybody, where can they buy their book? If they're listening to this and going, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I want to buy a copy for my nine-year-old. Where can they buy a book? Where can they follow your journey? Tell them everything. And I'll pop the links in the show notes as well. Um, so if people want to buy signed copies um, from me so they can get their child's name put in the book and a little message and my signature, you can get those direct from me. Um, and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I also have a website, which is helenharrelson.co.uk. So you can get them straight from me um, and find out information about uh, my newsletter, my competitions, other things I'm doing on my website as well. Um, you can order my books from any independent bookshop. If you just go in and ask, they can order it in for you. They're on Amazon and the Book Depository online. Uh, so very easy places you can you can get them fabulous thank you so much helen that has been fantastic thank you for having me it's been wonderful <laughs> do you feel confused about marketing are you fed up of feeling invisible and getting little or no interaction on your social posts if you want to get better at marketing your business come and join my free facebook group you can do marketing it's a friendly community where I share tons of easy to follow and action marketing tips to help you grow an audience who want to buy from you. So who am I? I'm Claire Black, mum of two, and I help women who love the business they're in, but feel like they're wasting too much time on marketing and just not getting anywhere. I teach you step by step the marketing skills that you need to go from feeling confused about marketing to confident and crushing it. 
So what are you waiting for? It's time to let the business you love flourish. Join my Facebook group, You Can Do Marketing. See you in there.